1: Hello, and welcome to Operation Earth. Conversations with comedians about climate change. Hosted by me, Dr Matt Winning. I've been an environmental researcher for the last decade, and also a stand-up comedian for almost the same amount of time. For years, I used comedy really as an escape in the evenings to stop thinking about how terrible everything was on this planet. But now I think it's time we talk about it, hence this podcast. So in each episode I speak to a different special guest comedian about what's been happening recently to our planet what they are doing about it and any of their worries or questions they have about planet Earth but it's going to be funny it's a podcast for anyone who cares about the planet but probably isn't doing much about it this is for you
0: A weapon to fight climate change.
1: It's presented by Dr. Matt Winning. Listen to this. Okay, so today's episode is me chatting to Josie Long, uh, who is a terrific comedian. Uh, She was nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Award three times because she's good, really, really good, and I always forget how good she is. And then I see her doing stand up and I'm like, oh yeah, she's one of the best. She's got a new show this year in Edinburgh called Tender which I'm going to check out as soon as I possibly can. Uh, she's also done a lot of other things. Uh, she created something called Arts Emergency, which is amazing. She's got a podcast with her partner, Johnny, called Josie and Johnny Are Having a Baby, because she's had a baby. Uh, and she also makes loads of films, uh, which is pretty cool, sort of indie stuff. And that was actually one of the times that we spent uh, a bit of time together because I was in a film that she made last year, actually. It was two years ago we made it, came out last year, called Super November which you should check out if you possibly can. Uh, so yeah, I had a chat with Josie about climate change because we often text back and forth about it anyway. So I thought it'd be good to sit down and uh, have a chat. So this is this is that. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. So we're joining as Josie Wong gets oh her no. carbon footprint. Oh, it's uh, not too bad. Which is about 11.8 tonnes, which I think is probably thus far the best person on the podcast. Uh Oh, which what? is only—it like, gives you a little thing here—119% uh, of what we need to be roughly at uh, as a target. How do you feel about that?
2: I feel slightly relieved. I feel relieved, but also this year has been an unusual year for me. as i have had a baby. Yes. Which a lot of people go to me. That's the worst thing you could do for the climate. <laughs> so it's like going. Oh well, and you've—you've you've done really well this year. Oh yeah, I've been in prison for murder. <laughs> 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 oh, that's what. <laughs> um, also, it's been interesting too because before I got pregnant, yeah. I gave up eating meat. Apart from I, I went to, I basically said I'd have one meat meal a week because yeah. I was a real meat fan. And then as soon as I got pregnant, I was like, I just have to eat meat all the time. And so I'm trying to. When my daughter's a year old, I'm trying to go back to my previous life. Right. But yeah. this is I've we uh-huh. cut out. I've cut out real milk and I've cut out real soft cheese. Yeah, which just sounds like nothing, but.
1: Why salt wait minute with soft cheese? Yeah,
2: well, I used to love Philadelphia. Right. I'd be like, oh, what a delicious okay. treat. Yeah. And then um I found this thing called Violife <laughs> cream cheese. Yeah. So good. Is it good? And it's been the first time, because for about ten years, I've got a friend who's a very conscious vegetarian, and he gave up dairy uh for compassionate reasons. Right. And he'd always say to me, like about the dairy industry, and I'd be like, "Yes, but I feel for the farmers and the cows and all this stuff. And I love milk. And then I found VioLife cream cheese, which is better than Philadelphia. So I was like, Easy switch. And then oat milk. Yeah. everyone's must Everything. be saying, It's so oat good.
1: Milk. Oat milk. Yeah. I mean, it's what I do. I basically was just saying, I, That's all, my main thing that I've done in, in the last year is just completely switch to oat milk. And I was saying, It's always really weird when I have it on porridge.
2: Oh, oh, oh no, it's yeah. like mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it's so weird. And it's <laughs> like, especially being Scottish, I feel... <laughs> Do you feel
2: deep pride? Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm like, I'm having oats on my oats. <laughs> it's just um.
2: A... Do you put salt in the milk and salt on the porridge? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: salty milk. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is great. It's, but it's, it's so easy, it's like what you're saying, Like it's so easy when you find something that you like better. You yes. go... Oh, my life's changed so like. There's nothing
2: to worry about, but this is the sad this is problem. Not, yeah. I think for people to when it's especially when it's little lifestyle switches. It's like when people are trying to lose weight or something. Yeah, and they're like, I've got to exercise. It's never going to work unless you go. Oh, I love mountain climbing. Yeah, and then suddenly you sort of change your life.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good way of putting it. It's like yeah, if you get really into something, great. But if yeah. it's like. You're going to have to be forced to go mountain climbing once a week. you not like, a
2: huge fan. No. <laughs> but this is, and this is the hard thing for me, like meat and cheese. Yeah. I hate the idea of having to say I can never have meat or cheese again. Yeah. But I like the idea of trying to find a way where it's a bit more like what people might have done in the 15th century. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's Michaelmas, so of course I'll have a hen. <laughs> you know, or like... Mr. Stevens has made some of his cheese as he does once a year. And I figure if I got back to that, yeah. like, yes, it is not perfect, but we're not striving for perfection. We're striving for life. We're not,
1: yeah, 100%. We're not striving for perfection. We're striving for
2: just a nice... Sustainability. Sustainable <laughs> life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll get on to like the bigger... Obviously, this whole podcast isn't about like individual people's choices. I think it's just a good way of chatting at the start yeah. of it. But um, also,
2: I get really angry yeah. when people bring up like oh, well, you know, you think you care about climate, but you've flown. I'm like, yes, but Matthew Winning has told me via my boyfriend, through my boyfriend saw his show, that most of the flights are taken by the same 1% of people to and from tax havens. I'm not doing
0: that!
2: The
1: actual flying numbers here are based on uh, international passenger survey data. And if you have a look on afreeright.org, they give you a bunch of information, it's things like how half of the British population don't fly at all in any given year, and only 15% of us take three or four or more flights a year. So that 15% take 70% of all of the flights, and they tend to correlate with ownership of a second home abroad and a household income of more than £115,000 a year, and they mostly are from the city of London and Westminster, Kensington, and Chelsea and Surrey, and in aggregate the most popular destinations are known tax havens. There you
2: go. I get so angry because I'm like, it's such whataboutery, really. It is, yeah. and, And like, I want to be greener because I want to change the culture for my daughter. So I want it to be a different, I want our generation just to live differently. Yeah. But at the same time, if anybody's like, well, I saw you having a steak, I'm like, yeah, the government should make it illegal. And they fucking haven't. You smoked in pubs and now you don't. Yeah. So sort it out.
1: Somebody needs to just weigh down the wall, yeah. get it get it sorted. Travel, I think you're doing pretty well on travel. I think it shows you that if you're a comedian, it is Travel's going to be the big thing, and it's actually even getting it under half is probably
2: oh, thanks, like
1: pretty good going. Now, you said in the house, your baby you've turned the temperature down,
2: yes. So, we've had an inadvertently
1: yeah. helpful thing because yeah. I
2: uh, you, you just get advice that the ideal temperature for a baby is about 16 to 18 degrees. Okay, so that's so quite, quite cool, cool, night. yeah. yeah.
1: And so that's, you just, do you feel it's cool?
2: Yes, it's too cold for me. I mean, like it. <laughs> baby's fine. The baby's like, mm, mm.
1: this is nice and warm.
2: But you get these things, this egg. Right. And the egg changes colour. And if it's clement for a baby, the egg is the correct colour. If it's too cold, the egg goes blue. Oh. If it's too hot, the egg goes red. You can't have a red egg. <laughs> so you want a yellow egg. What is this? This sounds like sci fi. To me. new parents and this is where it's not very green new parents can often be sitting ducks for capitalism yes so okay. I but I think, well, it's, it's it's a double-edged sword because on one hand you are a sitting duck for capitalism you go the baby's got reflux oh i will go online. oh this wedge of foam is 50 quid I'll get it it's just a wedge of foam I could have got it for one pound <laughs> I could have made it out of a towel um, but then at the same time there's this incredible green economy right. of giving and sharing so, there's actually very little that we've bought, if anything. We didn't buy a cot for her, we got that. We didn't buy a change table, we got that. We didn't really buy any clothes. The amount of clothes I bought for her is about three outfits. Everything else has come through. We don't, we are not doing recycled nappies, but we are no. doing biodegradable nappies.
1: Okay. Because I, I had a friend that told me, a while ago, a good friend, and he was like, we've, we, you know, they're big into eco stuff. And he was like, we did uh,
2: reusable nappies
1: sort of thing. And he was like, never do it. It is hell on earth.
2: I really think it is. Like the, the problem is disposable nappies came out of the fact that everyone hated doing reusable nappies. Yeah. And what everyone who's a boomer says to you is they go, we're oh, so lucky these days. So we had to use terry cloth nappies. It was awful. And so I've seen lots of friends of mine doing reusable ones Yeah. with sort of mixed reception. Yeah. But oh gosh it's hard I've got a friend who's doing reusable wipes she cut up lots of fleeces that she had knocking about and yeah. turned them into little wipes everything we do is biodegradable
1: got you do
2: but you... it's kind of like it's like the difference between skim skim milk uh-huh. and then you've got like semi-skimmed and full cream are basically the same thing and skimmed is water uh,
1: yeah nothing and it's like
2: no 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 I'm very healthy too I'm having semi-skimmed it's like like fuck you are. these guys are having wat- grey water <laughs> you've got at the top of it, bottled water. Those guys are fucking yeah. the most evil people on the planet. Firstly, what are they doing? They're going. Oh, here's the thing that everyone used to just acknowledge: they were a paying for through their rates, b we, we used to be nationalised, and c had in their taps. Yes, right. We're gonna turn that into a commodity, and fuck the world. Like what? Because think about it: it's not
1: only just the water you know water which is this you know resource that everybody in the world should should, should have. have yeah but also we're going to put it in plastic bottles yeah. disposable plastic bottles yeah. it's like you can invent something that seems more inherently yeah. against what we should be doing as people
2: <laughs> and also Whatever they do, it's immoral. So either they steal natural resources yep. so they can pump them away from, like, impoverished communities, or like they did in um, Sidcup, which is where, near, where I'm from, basically, it found out that the Coca-Cola bottling plant in Sidcup was selling Dasani water, which is literally Sidcup tap water. <laughs> and they were selling it, like, Dasani water. Oh, and it was like, is, is Sidcup? Tap water is nothing by <laughs> my own. Yeah, bottled water. But I'm ashamed to say I haven't what I've got is we've got plastic water bottles to keep. Yeah. Not single use ones. Yep. Although I wish I had a metal one. That's all I just right, don't put worry. Them. I bought them because I thought it was a useful thing for the environment. I'm
1: letting Josie use, just for everybody, I'm letting her use my metal water bottle just now because are you out of water? Yeah, I've drunk it all. Do you want me to come get you some more? Oh, no, don't
2: worry. Are you sure? I've poisoned the well because I'm a bit ill. She's
1: a little bit ill and I thought, I can't have her not having water. Also, you were just shouting on stage, weren't you, a little bit in your... <laughs> Keep keep hydrated.
2: Thank you. You know. See, but this is the other thing. All of the culture is telling us to keep hydrated. People are going crazy. That's my true. stepmom <laughs> buys six packs of water just for the car. You know, all the time <laughs> because she cares about looking after them, making sure they're hydrated. Yeah. So basically, I'm trying to cut down on my uses of of single use stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I made a resolution to start in January, but basically, I'm acknowledging that I sort of feel like if you've got a new baby, you have a bit of a free pass to be a bit crap. Yeah. And I wish that society worked in that way. I wish that society was like, look, you've got a baby. Don't worry, we'll pick up the slack for you. Yeah, yeah. But I also feel like, now I have a one-year-old, I have to get my arse and get him. It's
1: really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Just, you're you're right, people should be given a cut a little bit of slack then. But then now it's like, you've got got another person to look after, you need to make sure that that person is a good person that's doing lots of good stuff. But also you're, you know, you have half the amount of energy and time to... Yeah, an impossible situation. All the stuff section, you went through that and you're pretty really good at that. You don't buy stuff because you don't have any pets. You've bought a mobile because that's it. Yeah, and apart from that, you spend no money really on like any other Things and yeah. you do all the recycling. So you, that was like we pretty do. strong.
2: Yeah, I don't buy that much stuff. I don't think no. I definitely don't really buy that many clothes. I'd say that's pretty on bland
1: for you. Yeah, you
2: know, you're not a
1: stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't say you're a you know. I'd say if people think of Josie Long, if you say oh Josie Long, I don't think people would go she likes stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm not a mercantile person. Johnny's even less than that. Johnny yeah. is disgusted <laughs> by the fact that I have. <laughs> a flat worth of furniture. Right. Like, I don't have decadent furniture. I have things you can sit on.
1: Just a seat. Or yeah. eat
2: at. Yes. Or I have books. Got and you. he had nothing. When he right. moved in, he was a bit like, oh, you've got so much stuff. Wow. Oh. Um, But I really don't. Yeah. But the thing that was stressful with this um counter is, I think it's very unfortunate that we live in a situation where, oh God, how much 40% of people are privately renting.
1: Yes. Because... Yeah, yeah.
2: As we all know, all landlords are bastards. Yep. Um, my landlord is pretty great. They're sweet. They're I mean, nice I really people.
1: like my landlord, but, but at, at the, the same, same time, time, yeah.
2: In principle, yeah. Whose side are they on? They're on the side of the bosses.
1: <laughs> this is, and so I'm trying to write a little bit in the, from a new show about how um, the problem with the climate message has often been people say we only have one home, right? We don't, globally, you know, the planet. We've yeah. only got one home. But the problem is, all the people that are causing the problems have two or three homes.
2: Yeah. And, and that doesn't even count all the spare ones they people farm in. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't quite get that. Me- the messaging <laughs> is never
1: going to go <laughs> in. If you're like, one home, what? You're you to the pier de Yeah. I've, a, I've got a Tuscan villa. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Right? But here's the thing, like, I know that people, if they hear me say that, who disagree with me, people just go, there are certain people who hear that, and be like, oh, typical left. But... I, I feel quite deeply that the culture we have of landlordism is sick, it's is unhealthy and it's exploitative and the only arguments people ever give to defend landlordism they'll be like well what are people supposed to do and I'm like yes because there aren't any uh, enough housing associations because uh, home ownership has been priced out for most people it does feel like there aren't enough solutions in this and, current situation yes. there aren't but and private landlords have definitely loved exploiting that that does not make it right and also like it's just it's depressing like my view is that you shouldn't you exploit people to make your money my view is that if your money should come from your labor it's, not the labor of others yeah. and you can say well you know it's actually quite hot landlord just a fixed boiler no fuck you that's not how it works it's not your labour, is it? It's your assets, your investments, etc. And I don't believe in that. Now I'm a bit austere in that respect. I don't. I want to make money from my labour and nothing else. Got you. Other people don't do that. But at the same time, the the point I was trying to make in amongst me just slugging off landlordism is so you've got all these things. How is your home insulated? Yeah. I feel like. You can't Especially do it. generationally, there's so many people who'd love to have
1: solar stuff. You, you can't do anything, and the landlords get no real incentive to be like, oh, I'll make their home more energy efficient.
2: Landlords won't even give you a decent carpet. Yeah. They won't even, you know. They're...
1: No, you're so right. Like, I would do so much more, or, or be capable of doing so much more in terms of my home if I could if ever you. afford to own a home.
2: Yeah, and the government shouldn't be letting. How private house builders build houses that aren't completely energy efficient at this stage. It's disgust. Like this is where I like despair is. I'm like, you know, and you're not doing it, and you could. And I read this article quite recently about this woman who went round Miami Beach. I think it is in Florida, Uh and she went round getting shown around very expensive new waterside properties by like high-end estate agents, pretending that she had $10 million to buy a place. And she's a climate scientist. And she literally was like, all of these places are going to be underwater in five years like, or ten years. Like, this place is not going to exist in 30 years. And she would, like, be walking around yeah. like, oh, I love it. It's really beautiful. Hey, um, I've heard all this weird chat about stuff being flooded. What's going on? And all the estate agents were like, no, I don't think that's a problem, actually. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And then she, in the article, she'd be like, they don't think it's going to be a problem. So I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> but it is sort of scary, to walk around, I was going to talk about it in my show and I forgot, inhabiting a certain apocalyptic feeling and then to see how reality is jarring, how people are, like, yes. so short-termist or just so in denial about it.
1: Yeah, it's, that's such a yeah total form of denial about it where it's like, if I just pretend and say this isn't happening, this isn't happening. And like
2: and it isn't yet, so when, when?
1: Yeah, win, win. yeah even, yeah, it's going to take you know people up to their knees in water to be like... Well, you know, it is happening but it, you know we're we're dealing with the issue or whatever is going to be like the next route there's always extra layers of that sort of denial that just keep going that we're sort of moving on to again and again
2: the thing that does give me hope and heart is that people live all over the world right yeah. now yes there are places that are suffering intensely already because of climate change but there are still people who live there who want those things to change and who have power and agency. And I feel like it's not just a case that there's a few people sitting at the top of the world who are like, "It eh, doesn't matter to me. Who cares?" Like, that's not everyone on Earth, and yes. that's not the only people who have power and wealth and agency and stuff like that. And like, that gives me hope because I'm like, people are going. Everyone is doing different things to try and sort this, and we'll continue to do so. And it's not as if people who are currently struggling are in denial about it. They're not, and and it's not as if people who aren't aren't, ign- it's not like there's just some people who are refusing to do anything about it and some people are struggling, yeah. there's like everyone else on earth and it's like, do you know what I mean? There's yeah, like yeah, such yeah. plurality. Of Absolutely.
1: And I think the really exciting thing at the moment as well is that like all the talk in the US and also here to some extent now of like a Green New Deal happening, like something where it's like kind of Marshall Plan levels of investment. And it, it is to me probably, we've left it so late that that is the only tangible option we have left is a plan and it either has to be 10 years or it could be, you know, you could maybe extend it to 20 to 30 years, but it has to be a plan where we invest more than we've ever invested before yeah. on levels we've never seen in changing how we, the structure of society.
2: If in the 80s, yeah. everyone had just made little changes, we is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If everyone in the 80s had just if, not eaten beef, we if, would have been all right. If in, in 1988, people
1: had started going, okay, we'll in just... In tune
2: with the Olympics. Yeah. Well, we got... <laughs> yeah,
1: and then you had the... Yeah, you had the
2: Olympics. For the opening ceremony, they could have been like, guys, turn your lights off.
1: Just, if you could stop... If everybody could just take one flight a year... <laughs> and you could all... And we got rid of, coal, like, coal. So, I mean, like... Some amazing statistic: like half of all the emissions that have occurred ever, causing climate change, have occurred since, like, in the last thirty years, because the the amount, like, so half of the extra, half of the warming that's going to happen has all happened since we already globally went, oh, there's a problem, we need to deal with this, and we've done double that. You know, we've doubled since that point, doubled the amount of of what we've done.
2: And do you think a lot of it's people saying yes, it's bad, but I personally want to be rich?
1: Not even rich, just don't want to cha- change. I don't know if the rich thing. I think it's they don't want to change. But also, then at that point, like the co- the costs of like what's the stuff would have been really high. Yeah. But what you would have done is you if you invested enough money, then you know it would have kept coming down to be able to deal with it. So instead of it taking to like 2015 for solar power to get. You know, cheap enough for us to, or, or or wind. If we'd done it ten, you know, if we'd properly started at the very start. Basically, all the governments in the late eighties and early nineties actually were like, "This is a really big problem. We need to deal with it." Everybody, Thatcher, everybody went, "This is a huge deal," and just nobody did anything about it. Like, there's no policies for like
2: fifteen years. Okay, is it because of? Lobbying and...
1: Or oh, a big part, is that. Yes. Fuck. I'd say a fair amount of it's been misinformation campaigns from people with incumbents who have a lot of, you know, reason to for things to say the same.
2: Tipping points. Oh, oh,
0: oh. Tipping points. Oh, oh.
1: Environmental tip of the week. If you do have to go find yourself, why not try finding yourself in Norwich? Environmental tip of the week. Because I thought, you know, you're, baby. you've had a baby and you're going to have a kid going to school in a few years. Yeah. Would you, you, I mean, I presume I know the answer to this. Would you like your kid to strike?
2: I'm really anti the strikes. No, of course. <laughs> I'm not scared. No, I love it. I'm so proud of them. And it's a thrill. And what's really been exciting too has been like, I remember uh, when about, f- I can't even think when, but I remember sort of, being really heartened by millennial activism, which I'm sort of at the very end, end of. <laughs> the the UN, oldest millennial. You and I, yeah. Yeah, we're sort of like elder millennials. Yeah. There was a stand-up show by somebody called that. and um, But I was very heartened by younger people and felt like on the whole, there was a move towards a kind of more socialist view mm-hmm. of the world. I think. Apart from the little contingent of fascists. Sure. sure. But what's been really thrilling is seeing young people compelled to act what's really sad is they feel they've been forced into that situation what's really sad is they're not being given a time free from worry that I feel like my generation in particular had you know all you know for all of the flaws of neoliberalism was it an easier childhood to grow up feeling as if politics was not that relevant although to be honest it's not as if everyone had that yeah it's just that's quite a middle class yeah thing. um so I do feel sad for that generation that because like sl-
1: there's no there's literally no other choice for yeah. them anymore
2: but i'm so proud of them and i love them and having when i got pregnant i did become obsessed by climate change and i know there's debate about whether or not to have a child but for me personally i just wanted the future to have young people in it.
1: good young people in, good it. Young people in yeah. it.
2: yeah and also wanted to live a life where loving that person was part of it i felt like that's yeah, better for absolutely. the world well, absolutely but yeah, my choice, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah. Since become pregnant, i was just obsessed by climate change, and it's so heartening to see these people actually having the effect uh, of changing the conversation and moving things on. And I so hope that it works. Yeah. Because it sort of has to.
1: <laughs> I just don't know what I was doing when I was like fifteen or twelve or whatever. Like, I wonder if there's anything that. I would have felt. So sp- I mean, you feel. Pa- I remember as being a teenager, you feel passionate about stuff. Yeah. But I wonder if I'd have felt passionate enough about climate. Change. I, I, yeah, I'm just so impressed by all these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went and kind of looked at the strike and ended up outside uh, uh, the gov- uh, well, government. Government, like the business uh, department for business, energy, industrial strategy, <sighs> mm-hmm. with a bunch of. Uh, activist people who then got some kids to deliver a letter to, uh, Claire, like, the climate person. Well, Claire that's Paret, the first
2: thing this government did was get rid of the Department for Climate Change. Yeah, well. well that solved the problem, didn't Theresa it?
1: me, yeah, not exactly. Uh, we
2: got rid of the police station, so I presume there's no more crimes. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I just find, find, like, seeing kids caring about this is, like, it's it's my I'm sure other people like you know pictures of cats whatever it is this is my this is like it makes me start crying just by seeing it
2: and also like I think so having my baby I've never felt more like connected to the world and to humanity to the extent that if I see a lamb or a duckling I'm like that's like my baby and so yeah similarly it's like Like, yeah, I love it and I'm proud of them, but I I feel, but also, I feel like anyone listening, if that isn't your opinion, it's so absurd. It's like when people slag off Greta Thunberg, I'm like, really, what have you got? What have you got? Oh, what she's saying sounds scary, you know, or it'd be like, oh, she seems, like, I don't like her, I'm a 50-year-old man, well fuck you yeah, like, your opinion
1: is not valid yeah, at this saying, point anymore
2: by saying like oh strikes shouldn't be disruptive it's like you need to understand what a strike is and what it's supposed to do yeah, <laughs> she has no
1: idea of what it is the best thing uh, that I saw them saying was like uh, I think it was maybe someone in Australia said oh you need to go to school you should be going to school to learn about climate science and she went well you don't pay attention to the scientists so <laughs> what's the point <laughs> and it's just like just instantly shut that person yeah. down you're just like yes that's Bang. what you
2: say is that what you've done so you agree with that <laughs> like what he said. yeah it's just the logic of it is so so
1: stupid um, what, that's
2: what's so interesting about any action you take the response is trying to shut you down the longer you're in the game the more ridiculous they seem because yeah. they're basically just like please be quiet. <laughs> please do nothing. No matter what it is you're taking actions against, someone will go, yes, but my opinion is, oh, you seem great, but your method, for whatever reason, I've decided is bad. And it's like, I just, it, it becomes more silly and I'm more convinced that anyone doing anything, I'm like,
1: yes, good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing something.
2: Well, it's like Extinction Rebellion, which I, I'm thrilled it exists and I'm glad that so many people are mobilised. but I've definitely had some uncomfortable feelings about their tactics about getting people arrested because a friend of mine was one of the Stancid 15 and has basically been convicted on trumped-up charges and narrowly avoided prison for a long time. Mm. So it's not fun and games to get people arrested. And I've seen lots of activists online saying like, yeah but what the police are able to do now is gather intelligence on all these people what they're able to do is prevent them from further protesting like you can see it with brand new eyes of like wow thousands of people have been arrested it's different to ever before but if you talk to people who have been arrested or have protested and been arrested it's a bit like guys the police aren't this benign force on our side you know you can't guarantee and say like that's been interesting but on balance I'm still going to say thanks for doing this I'm glad you're doing this this is your choice of your strategy and yes. I support you, but I don't really think I agree with that part of it. Got you. Rather than go, <laughs> i tell you more about these pricks. I hate them, you know? Yeah, 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 which is exactly, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: be supportive to people that are doing stuff.
2: Yeah, even when it's misguided, And even when, like, it's in, from a privileged position, like, you do think there's, like issues around police racism that because most of them are kind of older white people they're getting away from and like it, it, yeah. it's not that it's really really simple but at the same time I'm still like thanks for trying give
1: it a shot yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. give it a shot okay so you got some questions for me yes. you'd like to ask
2: so when I had my baby yes the way that I tried to deal with the absolute hysterical fear surrounding the future
1: you were messaging me quite a lot
2: I decided yeah that Scotland is safe okay and in my head, I think that's made me be able to cope. I'm like, tell you what, Scotland, that'll be safe from climate change, and there I shall thrive.
1: Well, I mean, it's probably going to be one of the places in the world that's least affected by climate change, but the rest of the world will be an inescapable climate change. hellhole. Is it really a well, full
2: on? Like, how do you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean. Everything's going to move. Everything's moving forward, and then obviously you've got sea level rise. Like Scotland's going to be fairly protected from some sea level rises, but you will get you know flooding rivers and stuff will be a lot higher. Um, but it's more within an international context. What like it's fine if Scotland's okay, but it's I have to deal with like. Fascism or what you know, whatever it is, across the entire world. If,
2: if Scotland's like we're just trundling on as normal, oh, I've looked out on my telescope. Everyone else is having a terrible time. <laughs> Luckily, they're not coming near us. We're fine. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 mean, I know it's silly. It's like people saying, I saw the worst tweet of all time, which was, I think Lilico, and he said, "Do we really have more responsibility for stopping climate change than we do for making our children wealthy?" And that's what we're up against.
1: Yeah, people, people who are going.
2: Yeah. No, I still want to win this game, but it's, my game. Yeah. And I'm happy and it's it's the children and men approach, which has a tiny guarded city in the centre of London where people are living wonderfully with exotic pets at the expense of literally everyone else on earth. Yeah. And that's what scares me. It's
1: and I come and but that whole point is completely untrue. The idea that it's a choice between yeah, those or two. Oh that things. you could protect
2: yourself. No, like exactly. still yeah, 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 yeah. how much money you got.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> will be like, whoa, that guy's wearing a gold topper. He's yeah. not getting killed. Well, there was loads, like
1: those wildfires last year where like in, in the States in California, like that's the interesting stuff when you see really wealthy places and they're on fire. And, you know, Kim Kardashian's having to buy her own fire fighting service. <laughs> Just like, that's, that's the kind of world...
2: Okay, this is my question to you. Do you ever think the Book of Revelations is true?
1: No. <laughs> But are you suggesting that w- this? It's a biblical prediction. Okay, um, maybe this is what they were predicting all along. Maybe it was, and we're all wrong, and that
2: Oh, so in that respect, it yeah. might make sense to say at one point human beings are going to fuck themselves over, and yeah. that's what they were trying, and to that's face. what they're trying to
1: tell us. Yeah, maybe that was what it was all along. Like, if you, it was the
2: friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, it was
1: the it was the black plagues we met along oh the way.
2: God, wow. Okay, I have further questions for you. Okay, keep going. In terms of the next 10, 15 years in yeah. the United Kingdom, yeah. let's not say the worst case scenario is going to happen, please. But if things do change, even moderately, how is the UK going to change? Is it, like, is London going to change drastically in the next 10 years? Is Are parts of the UK going to really, really radically alter in the medium term?
1: Okay, so the next 10 years, probably not so much. I mean, th- there are you know scenarios where it's hard. It's hard to balance all this out. So, so London beyond the end of the century, you know, talking about two centuries away or three centuries away, London could disappear underwater.
2: If so, the last time. What about the shard, though? That'll still be poking out. It? <laughs> <laughs> Those fuckers. <laughs> That'd be the only part of London people like, can see the and there'll, there'll still
1: be people at the top of it dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I can't <believe> that can't be
2: that bad. Motherfuckers.
1: Um, in the next 10 years, I don't think much. It'll it'll be where we are now and get a little bit worse. And But it'll start ra- in sort of 10 years time that's when things will start ramping up. Um, and then sort of 2040, 20, 2050, 20, you know, we're talking about kind of 20 to 30 years time is when if we've not globally done a fair amount of work in that time, things will start, the shit will begin to hit the fan. And the problem is that it takes about another 20 years for the climate to stabilise once you stop doing this stuff, because government outside is doesn't, it's in the air f- for a while. So like, it's not like if we stop on this day, everything's suddenly better on that day. It will take is... another 20, like, the system is so complicated. So, so ideally, if we want everything to be fine in 2050, we need to stop having everything you know done in 2030.
2: This is what's so heartbreaking when you think about new generations, because you think they don't deserve to have no. that period of time. No one deserves that shit. And I think about my daughter and how much I love her and how much I want her to have a happy time that's blissed out and not Stressful, yeah, and it's so sad. And then part of you goes, well, you know, look at the First World War. That was completely unnecessary and brutal and murdered a whole generation. Second World War similarly, like, uh, I'm not saying it was unnecessary, but at the same time, it was so full of waste and sadness. Yeah, you know, every generation. But then it's, I don't want to say that in kind of like, oh well. I want to say that in kind of like, no, it shouldn't happen. Shouldn't
1: happen. But it doesn't need to. It's not like needless. Needless. Absolutely. But the history of
2: humanity is often needless shit. But this again isn't me saying it's good. Yeah. Is this all a joke? Tell me the truth. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um,
1: how many well, this was, how many light bulbs does it take to change
2: a oh, no. planet? Um, can you imagine, imagine people getting so angry that the EU was trying to make light bulbs more energy efficient? <laughs> like, oh, God! Oh, God, they're <laughs> saving, us, <helpless laughs> saving us money over here! Oh, this is the thing I was going to say. Do you think a lot of the resistance with climate change is because it's on that time scale that people just... It's like with me, right? Yeah. I am probably a celiac, but I don't want to admit it. I yeah. definitely, if I eat flour, get sick and get like rashes on my arms and like I'm really sick. Don't want to admit it, but I can always kid myself it's not going to happen next time because it's not immediate. It takes like two days. Yeah. Right. That's what the planet is like. Yeah, it's yeah. just a really just on a slightly bigger sketch.
1: Slightly bigger, but that's exactly it. That's They're a good like, analogy. I don't
2: want to stop eating croissants. They're yeah. beautiful.
1: And the problem is that the the I guess it's the stopping eating. Yeah, you need to stop eating croissants and you need to start doing good stuff. So you need to start—I don't know—like if you don't want to have a heart attack, you need to start going to the gym. Yeah. But the problem is then you need to go the—you need to go to the gym beforehand so that you don't have.
2: Oh, I see. So the heart people are already having the heart attack, and they're like, "Oh shit, I need to twenty years ago start exercising." Exactly.
1: So that's kind of where we are. Oh fuck. Um, okay. Um, well. But yeah, I don't know.
2: How do you feel? Do you feel more hopeful recently than you did? before all of the extension rebellion climate strike stuff.
1: Yes I feel more hopeful now because I think it's brought so much of it to the attention of the wider public and that people and are,
2: nobody can deny it now yeah well not
1: at all yet, yeah yeah um, but that hopefully it's a stage for in the UK anyway that the government will be forced to do more mm-hmm. and do more quickly and be seen to be doing stuff instead of just mm-hmm. saying stuff in the future. So I'm I'm definitely more hopeful, but it's like it does have to happen now. Mm-hmm. Like the, t- the time to act is in the next ten years, and if if yeah, if it doesn't, so this is the, the I kind of was trying to think about this. There's sort of two options, right? So UK government, uh, the advisory board for the UK government, the committee on climate change is coming out a thing which said we need to go net zero by 2050 the other day that's the advice which means we have no emissions in 2050 and we actually are just trying to begin to suck stuff out so more treat things um there's two ways of doing that there's there's either doing it really quickly where you ban cars tomorrow
2: but also there are electric cars now.
1: Yeah. Or you do the electric car, you know. You do the thing which is you but you need the entry you need the infrastructure for that and you need the supply chains to happen and but it's not that like people can buy electric cars now, so you should be supporting them more financially to, to make people want to buy them and you should be phasing out the other ones. But also if you actually want to stop emissions, you need to stop everybody who has a car from driving their car. Mm. Like you would need to have some weird scheme where everybody has to scrap their car in the UK.
2: I would like to see more government interventions like that. Yeah. Firstly, because obviously it's really good. Secondly, because it would boil so much piss. Like, <laughs> there would be people who would be so angry at their car being taken away from them and it would be people I don't like. Yeah. It would be like real assholes. It would be kind of, you know... <laughs> you can't even buy an Easter egg anymore! I Can you imagine that? thing. Like, people are already angry about nothing.
1: Nothing. Like,
2: yeah, oh, baked beans halal! Because you don't know what the word means. Right? Like, imagine these guys. And then it'll be like, oh, I can't even use my car! Imagine, yeah, exactly. Imagine we gave people something to <laughs> actually <laughs> be angry about. It. But the problem is, you know... A, I don't want to do things that needlessly upset people. And B, <laughs> if they got that upset over... Lies and nothing. Nothing, yeah. Imagine how upset they'll be over. Yeah. The good thing is they won't be able to get in their car and drive to the. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> trying to complain. Imagine, right.
1: But imagine we could harness that anger about nothing into actual anger about climate change. Yeah.
2: And you can. Well, could, also, could, like, turn, turn all your anger into positive action. Exactly. Right? It's that simple. I, that's what's frustrating. But do you feel, on the whole. I, I like, feel more you,
1: positive, but I feel like it's like. It has to be sustained and. It, And there has to be action on all fronts in the next 10 years. Otherwise, it's.
2: Does that feel real? But then, the other thing is. What can I do to help that
1: happen? uh, Just coming on this podcast. (laughs) Thank (laughs) God. I'm going to have a steak. (laughs) Support people that are doing stuff, which we've already talked about. Support you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I support you too. (laughs) Um, Vote for, I mean, obviously, again, that's one thing that people, you know, it's only, it feels small. Like just vote. You see, like if you tell people to, uh, you know, cut their carbon footprint, like kind of stuff we talked about earlier on, right? People go, "Well, that's just what you know." An individual is one thing. We need to change the government. And you go, "Well, the only thing you can have to change government really as an individual is your vote and protesting." So vote and protest.
2: And also, what we can do as comedians. Is and, and then, party.
1: and your per- so, so there's like your personal life, there's your career, and there's political life. And if you and all of those three spheres are acting positively on climate change and trying to push the envelope as much as you can, you can't do any more than that.
2: That's so good.
1: So just keep doing that. And I
2: suppose it's always the case that in in taking action you feel better. And it makes
1: makes you feel so much better.
2: Also, it's all healthier, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Eat healthier. And it will.
1: Yeah, get on a bike. (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't feel it It's like, yeah, why don't you do some exercise and eat some good food? (laughs) I don't know about that. And go on holiday in a way in which you actually see all of the places on the way to the place rather than just (laughs) skipping to Mauritius. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Which I would love to go to Mauritius. It looks beautiful. Yeah, I'd like to go there, but I'd like to
1: go there really slowly.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Do you see? There's this program that was on um, BBC. I highly recommend it, called Race Across the World. Oh, it's on I BBC love, One. I'd love to do that. And that it's, like, fucking amazing. it's like, it's cu- like cu- two pa- like pairs of people, and they have to get to uh, Singapore as quickly as they can without flying from London, okay. and they leave from London, and it's like this race where and it it's okay. like the the groups. You can see the frictions between them, and then they're trying to get there before.
2: Oh, it's the you best I, been been I, been I watched.
1: I watched six episodes in does? like fifteen hours or something like that. And they're <laughs> all like, it was. Oh, it was so good. And I was like, I want to do it. We should just do that for everybody. Everybody has to go on holiday, but they have to go... It's a race against your
2: friends. Listen, we're not saying it's that slow. If your friend... If if Steve can do it fast, you can do it fast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, um, It's hard not to talk about these things and feel a bit upset, especially because it's it's connected to how much I love the world in its current state. Yeah. And that's the thing. It is like,
1: it's... the next show that I'm writing is called "It's the End of the World as We Know It" because what it is like climate change is the current world will not exist because we have altered it, and I think understanding the degrees like everything we do now and and everything we've done in the last thirty years, but it's it's been done. Everything we do going forward will alter the 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 degree of how or terrible the future is wow. to such a degree.
2: Wow. So, so there's never been a more important time to try and take action. Exactly.
1: The best so like, yeah, I think people there's some right. phrase like I'm
2: gonna put it in my shit.
1: There's something about like, you, you know, the best time to have act would have been 30 years ago, the second best time is right now. Wow. Which I think I don't know who said it, I'll find out and I'll dump it into the podcast. But I think it's like a very good way of seeing things. Yeah. Because we still have you know, it's not too late, it's just that. By what we do, we will either make things more or less shit in yeah. the future. It's going to be tough, Regard, You know, there will be changes regardless. But if we really worked really hard, we could get it so that there's as minimal change as possible to where we are now. But it is going to change. So change is coming. I don't know if I'm ending, this, but I'm ending this very seriously, I don't know. But it's just like, how much is it gonna change? Okay. So is there
2: a scenario where it would not change that much?
1: Yeah, like one and a half degrees. What we're sort of aiming for in the Paris Agreement, getting towards one and a half degrees would be it not changing one that much, but that's still half a degree warmer than where we are now. Which
2: is too
1: warm. Which is already that's we've not already changed
0: warm guys. Che- yeah.
1: Do you you seem to really like Scotland in terms of uh, which is good.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is kind of yeah, how we've We spent some time in Scotland. I feel like Scotland's pretty ahead of the curve on a lot of.
2: It must be stressful for. Countries like uh, Holland, which I know is like trying yeah. really hard, the countries like Denmark, which is trying really hard. it must have been really annoying to be like, guys, we're eating all the vegetables, and none of your brits are doing it. You know, yeah. and I feel for people who are like the campaign for alternative technology guys. Like, yeah, I've been composting my own shit <laughs> yeah. for fifty years. I don't even use toilet paper. Come on, guys, catch up. Yeah. Do
1: you want to plug anything?
2: Uh, just not the world ending.
1: Pog action on climate change. Um,
2: I'm doing a show which is about how do you welcome someone to the world when people are telling you it's the end of the world. So it's very similar. Amazing. Um, but yeah, the main thing I have at the end of it is just feeling that like like you say, like life isn't a tragedy and the future doesn't have to be a tragedy. And also like like you say, like it's worth trying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No matter what.
1: Okay. Thanks so much, Josie
2: uh, It's my pleasure.
1: So that was my chat with Josie. It was really lovely to have a chat with her. She's a very uh, enthusiastic person and very curious as well, which is not the case with a lot of people. (laughs) So it was nice to chat to her. You can go and see our Edinburgh show this year, Tender, at the Edinburgh Festival, at the stand, I think. Yeah, and you can also see me there. I'm doing a show called It's the End of the World as We Know It every day uh, at the Pleasance Courtyard, 4.25pm. Um, you can see other dates of mine uh, at my website mattwinning.com and if you want to get in contact with us about the podcast you can ask questions or say anything um, at operationearth at gmail.com please do rate, subscribe etc give us some five star reviews that would be very much appreciated because we're just we're a very new podcast and um you know it's very it's difficult these days because every person in the world literally has a podcast but this one's uh hopefully actually about something uh so thanks very much the podcast was produced and edited by emma corsham all the music was by the composer daniel drever and the design and logo was by chum chi design